Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sports Bites Podcast. My name is Chris Joseph, and I will be your host. Today is episode one. That's right. You're getting in on the ground level, breaking off into this adventure, kind of a new thing for me. I say new, but those who know me know that for the better part of a decade, I did sports talk radio out in Oklahoma covering the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, covering high school sports out there. You had the privilege of watching guys like Trey Young play in high school right there at Norman North High School. Um, I saw George Kittle grow up in front of my own eyes at Norman High, you know, get to see him play. And and just being around the University of Oklahoma Big 12 action, but I, I love all sports. I used to do a show called 360 Sports because I had people that would call and talk to me about everything. Boxing, college baseball. Anything you needed, you could call in. The big thing that I also like was just interacting with everybody. So again, with this podcast, it is a free podcast. It is available on all of your major podcast locations. The only one I'm waiting for approval on, and it could take uh, up to 10 business days, they said, is the Apple Podcast. But uh, if you look on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart, Deezer, um, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, all that. You can find uh, the Sports Bites podcast, and I will have a website up. There's going to be some socials involved. I'll have an Instagram page and a TikTok page for the website. And again, and I hope you guys interact. The premise of the show is just, you know, Sports Bites. For those, again, that listen to me know I have a passion for uh, sports, and I have a passion for food. And so we're going to kind of combine the two and talk about Sports and really good food, you know, possibly, you know, look at some of the best places to eat around wherever you go to watch games, whether it be stadium food, restaurants, the best tailgate spots, you know, things like that. So that's why I look for like the interaction. You know, if you've been to the Grove at Ole Miss, where is the best, you know, who's got the best food? So it's just it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy the journey. Like, follow, subscribe, share with everybody. And uh, let's build this community and let's have a good time. Uh, this is episode one, like I said. So, you know, it might be a little bit rocky, but we're going to get through it and we're going to build and continue. Also, what I would like to do growing this podcast uh, lead to having some guests on and get their input and, in t- and takes from uh, multiple fields and, and really talking about uh, you know, what the listeners want. Now, the first couple episodes is going to be kind of preview time, episode one today. It's going to be my preseason college football top 10. I'm going to go over my top 10 teams and who I think is going to play for the national championship. I will be doing a podcast that will release on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, you know, looking to, like I said, not really, you know, oversaturate, you know, my <laughs> with, with, with information. But I, I think, you know, doing a bite-sized podcast, as I call it, you know, maybe 30 to 45 minutes twice a week, you know, a wrap-up of the week before, preview of the weekend up ahead. Um, that's kind of what I'm I'm looking at for me. But, you know, again, I hope you enjoy. I hope I hear from you guys. Uh, there might be some merch coming a little bit later for the Sports Bites podcast. You know, I've designed a logo and stuff like that. So keep an eye out, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. But, uh, yeah, I, I'll get it out of the way. I am an Oklahoma fan. So if you hear me talk about Oklahoma, that I am. I'm a Commanders fan. I got to watch the Commanders break the Baltimore Ravens 24-game uh, preseason winning streak. And look, when you've been a long-suffering Commanders fan, 
uh, slash Redskins, whatever that organization, you'll take any victory you can. And, and to be able to beat the Baltimore Ravens and end their 24-game winning streak in preseason, it, it was good. It, it was good to see there seems to be a new energy in Washington now that Daniel Snyder is gone. But this show is going to be dedicated towards my top 10 in college football. It's a little bit different than some. The top teams are going to be kind of the same. I, I have a few shifted around. But I think this year is going to be a very, very interesting year in college football. It's going to be interesting because the landscape is absolutely changing. You know, you think about um, Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC, UCLA and USC coming to the Big Ten, the Pac-12. Is it going to is it going to implode? You be completely gone. Colorado is now coming to the Big Twelve. This year, the Big Twelve, you got BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, Central Florida. You know, so it's 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 crazy to think. You know, the landscape, the ACC now is in flux. So this is an interesting year. You know, it's the last year, uh, as we'll see, last year for a 14 playoff. You know, we're going to get into 12 teams, which, uh, again, I, I think it's better. You know, I think the 12-team playoff will be better just because you, you get a, you know, a, a larger size. But, you know, I used to argue with people all the time, you know, four is really good. 12, get, you know, 12-team playoff gives you more football. But when was the last time you could actually sit there and look and tell me that a team that ranked ninth was a national championship caliber team? I'll wait. But again, that's why you play the game, right? You get an opportunity. That's why Tulane beats a USC in the Cotton Bowl. Think about Boise State and Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. Stuff like TCU making a run to the championship game last year. That's why you play the game. And you're going to have opportunities. I think having playoff games on home campuses are going to be phenomenal as long as you just keep some of the bowl experiences as well. That's, you know, part of the fun. We'll dive right into it, man. And like I said, this is my top 10. I could be wrong in a lot of places. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. If you're following along, you can react. Let me know what you think. But coming in at number 10, uh, and, and you're going to find out it's very surprising in my top 10, the number of Pac-12 teams I have. You know, we talk about the Pac-12 and how it seems to be kind of falling apart. But number 10, I've got the Washington Huskies, man. Led by Michael Penix Jr., the second best offense in the country last year. 515.8 yards per game. Um, just dynamic. You know, they they were a lot of fun to watch. You know, when Penix left Indiana, um, you kind of thought, is, is this going to be a good move for him? He's out there really doing a great job. He's got two returning receivers that had over 1,000 yards. Uh, in Rome Odunez and Jalen uh, Mc, uh, McMillan, excuse me, along with the transfer running back from Mississippi State, Dylan Johnson. Uh, offensively, they're, they're, I think they're still going to be more of the same. You know, you're going to see a lot of high-powered offense, a lot of high-scoring games. You're going to have Troy Fontenot and uh, Roger Rosengarten on the offensive line. They only gave up seven sacks last year. Now, a lot of that could be because of Michael Penix and his athleticism. Could that be you know, attribute that, but seven sacks, that's still pretty low. Um, you know, you think about, you know, the, the landscape of college football and everyone talks about the offensive line. It's going to be, it's going to be crucial. I mean, Rose, Rosengarten is a big boy, but you got to keep your quarterback safe. Maybe he doesn't want to take off running all the time. They will have some quarterback design run play, but Michael Penix Jr. likes to air it out. 2000 yard receivers. That's where you go. So, you know, Scott Huff is doing a really good job as the offensive line coach out there, possibly an up-and-coming star in the coaching ranks. Keep an eye out for him. Defensively, 
you know, we talk, you know, I, I live in Birmingham right now, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, some guys um, that are really, really amazing in, in on defense, like Harold Perkins Jr., uh, Jared Verse. But there's a lot of people that cover college football that think the best pass rusher in the country is out in Washington, and that's Brian Trice. Uh, you look at Pro Football Source, I think they he racked up 67 pressures last year off the edge. And, you know, the SEC gets a lot of pub for the defense, and rightfully so. Jared Verse could have been a top-five pick last year. He's coming back to Florida State. We'll talk about them later on. You'll see where I have them. But Brian Trice, keep an eye out for him out on the West Coast. I know a lot of people don't get to see a lot of the you know Pac-12 games because of when they play. But he's really good. A guy that, you know, when I was doing some reading and checking in also that I found could be an interesting story for the Huskies on defense is a transfer from Division II Sioux Falls, a guy named Zach Dufree. Kind of one of those fast twitch guys, you know. Really watch out for him off the edge. He has a chance to kind of surprise everybody. And in the secondary, um, a really good cornerback from Oklahoma State. And Javar Muhammad helps uh, – came in as a transfer to kind of help secure the secondary. So, again, Washington, I have them at number 10. You look at their schedule, you know, big games. Um, start of the year, they played Boise State. And I put Boise State on there because Boise is just one of those teams. They're just a pain in the butt all the time. You know, they're a thorn in everybody's side. You never know. Not saying it's going to be a, a tough game, but we'll see. You know, off the high expectations – you know, top 10 ranking is going to be pressure on Washington. We'll see. But that game is on the 2nd of September. Nothing really till the 14th of uh, October. They play Oregon. And then they've got a really rough stretch in November. The 4th, they play at USC. The next week, they host the Utah Utes. And then the next week after that, they're at Oregon State. Now, everyone thinks Oregon State's going to be a lot better. They got DJ Uyunglele from Clemson. I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I'm not sold on Oregon State yet. I know a lot of people have them in the top 25. It's a wait and see for me. You got to do it more than just kind of like a flash in the pan. Uh, but I'm not sold on, on DJ at quarterback. And this is not a knock on Oregon State, but he had better talent at Clemson. And if you couldn't get it done there, what makes you think he's going to get it done in Corvallis? Bad weather, cold, hard to get to in the location. I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. But, you know, that's, you know, a, a tough stretch of three games. USC, Utah, Oregon State, two of those games on the road could be a very, very entertaining year for the Washington Huskies. That's my number 10 team. Number nine, my first SEC team. Some guys, you know, the, the media polls have them outside the top 10. I have them inside the top 10 because I think it's going to be another big year for the Orange. The University of Tennessee, led by Josh Heupel. Hinton Hooker's gone. Joe Milton III, back at quarterback. Number one offense in the country. 525 yards per game. Drew McCoy and Squirrel White are going to be your two leading receivers coming back. And a three-headed monster at running back with Javari Small, Jalen Wright, and Dylan Sampson, and those three combined, they amassed for 29 touchdowns on the ground. You got a, a really solid leader on the offensive line, Cooper Mays, um, at center. You know, he's returning from – he missed a lot of the, the fall camp because he had a procedure, but uh, he should be good. He, he, he should be good. Uh, and they brought in Miami's John Campbell and Andre Karras from Texas. 
So Tennessee, you know, I think you're going to see some of the same from Josh Heupel. I mean, he know he knows offense now. Hendon Hooker, I think a little bit better. Um, you know, in the pocket, you know, making maneuvers. Everyone hears about how far Joe Milton can throw the football, but don't forget you've got the freshman phenom in there and Nico Iamalea. I want to make sure I say Iamalea. Iamalea. I think that's the kid that you know supposedly made like five million dollars to come to Tennessee. We'll see. Defensively, pass defense, they got to get better. I mean, they were terrible in the pass defense. They ranked 127th in the country out of 133 Division I teams, giving up 289 yards per game. Aaron Beasley needs to keep his momentum from the Orange Bowl against Clemson um, to see him as a leader on the field. They brought in two BYU transfers, so it'll be interesting to see. They have a linebacker in Keenan Peely, almost 200 tackles in his career, and Gabe Judy Lally is at a cornerback. Um, front end is going to be led by big boy Tyler Barron and Roman Harrison. They need to get uh, an all-SEC year, though, out of Amari Thomas. they got to get you know some of that big destructive movement up front. You look at Tennessee, uh, you know, not a, not a tough, tough schedule. The 30th of September, I've got it marked down. They play South Carolina in Knoxville. That's kind of a revenge game. You know, South Carolina knocked them off towards the end of last year. Then they go to Bama on the 21st of October. A big game. Can you know Tennessee win back-to-back years over Alabama? We'll see. Joe Milton. We'll see. Uh, it, I think we'll know a lot about both teams, Alabama and Tennessee, by that point. Um, and then I got, you know, right after that, you had to go on the road, back-to-back weeks at Bama and at Kentucky. I, I, I don't know what I really think about Kentucky yet. I, I got to dive deeper into them. And then they finish, you know, their big game, I think, is the uh, 18th of November against Georgia. Again, Tennessee, fantastic year. Fantastic, you know, for Josh Heupel. Um, I, I got to be around Josh a lot when he was at the University of Oklahoma. Great guy. You know, he led the Sooners to a national championship as a quarterback. And just overall, good dude. And I'm happy for his success. Um, we'll see. I, but I think I think Tennessee has a chance, you know, to kind of shake things up. You know, if you look at Georgia, you know, where are they going to be quarterback-wise? You know, can they have a plug-and-play with quarterback? And people could say with Stetson Bennett, he may have been a – you know, system quarterback. But Todd Munkin is gone now. You got Mike Bobo calling the shots, who's not supposed to mess with anything. But again, we'll we'll see. We'll get into Georgia uh, a little bit later. But number nine, the Tennessee Volunteers on Rocky Top. Number eight, I have another Pac-12 team, the Utah Utes. Kyle Whittingham's Utes, you know, we're waiting to hear about Cam Rising. Of course, he got hurt last year in the Rose Bowl. Uh, but... You know, Utah is one of those physical teams. They like to beat you up. I mean, look at both USC games. You know, they got a six-year returning tight end in Brant Keith. You know, he's coming back. He got injured as well. He's seen limited reps in uh, fall camp, you know, trying to make sure he's good. Kind of like with Cam Rising. Cam Rising hasn't been cleared to practice yet. Uh, So we'll see. But, you know, I mean, we're coming up real quick on uh, the start of the year for (laughs) – <clears throat> excuse me, for uh, the Utah Utes. But, uh, you know, DeQuinton Jackson, you know, he's a guy that was a quarterback and is now with that running back. But who knows? You know, you think about the backup and Brandon Rose, he was injured. Could 
Jaquin and Jackson get thrust back into action at quarterback if Cam Rising isn't available. Now, I've heard that Jackson can't throw the football very well. That's why they moved him. He's very athletic, can run the ball, uh, a talented runner, but cannot throw the football. So, you know, quarterback is going to be big, but again, a lot of hype around here after winning the Pac-12 last year. Um, Bryson Barnes and, and Nate Johnson are also getting looks as well at that quarterback role. So, you know, it, it's, you know, Kyle Whittingham loves that physicality, and I think that's what Cam Rising brings. I think he brings some of that, and and it it bleeds over. You see what he brings to the team in that kind of leadership. Defensively, the Utes and their DC, uh, you know, Morgan Scally, you know, are going to rely on Ole Miss guy. They got a transfer from Ole Miss and defensive back Miles Battle. He's going to replace All American Clark Phillips the third. All Pac-12 safety, Cole Bishop is back as a junior. Real thumper back there. He likes to hit people. And the line is experienced, and it will be anchored by another all Pac-12 performer in junior, uh, Tao Funa. So, you know, they they always have some of the big Samoan guys, the Polynesian players up there, and, uh, and they it just they, – they'll wreak havoc, wreak havoc. But looking at their schedule, you know, the first game of the year, I, I marked that down on the 31st, playing Florida uh, in Utah. I put that one down because it'll be interesting to see if Cam Rising plays or not. Cam Rising, as Cam Rising goes, so go the Utes. You know, he he's the the heartbeat. I did put the game the next week against Baylor because I'm just intrigued to see what both teams are going to be. I don't I don't think Florida's going to be that good, so I don't think it's a test. I think Baylor could be their first test. Then the 23rd of September, they play UCLA. You know, a lot of talk about UCLA being, you know, a contender as well. A lot of people have them in the top 25. On the 21st of October, they play at USC. I know USC wants some revenge on them after two losses to the Utes last year. The 28th, so boom, 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 kind of back-to-back. At USC, 28th, they play Oregon. Bo Nix, you know, not a lot of people... A lot of people have them in the top 20, Oregon, but Oregon could put a wrinkle into things. You know, Oregon could have a chance, you know, if they win the Pac-12, could they be up there in the college football playoff? But I think the Pac-12, I don't think they're good enough to have somebody go undefeated. I think they're probably going to cannibalize each other. Um, and then 11, uh, November the 11th at Washington, you know, with Utah up there. But, uh, yeah, Cam Rising, as goes the Utes. We'll see if he's able to perform. That's my number eight team, the Utah Utes. Coming in at number seven, I have another Pac-12 team. And I have a little disdain for this team because I don't like the way the coach left my favorite organization in Lincoln Raleigh. But the USC Trojans, you know, coming in, a lot of hype built around the offense. Caleb Williams, the returning Heisman Trophy winner. He's got Mario Williams back at wide receiver. Um, I, I, I will say this. Caleb Williams is, is phenomenal. I mean, I remember watching the game when he was playing for Oklahoma, came in to relieve Spencer Rattler, brought Oklahoma back to beat Texas, you know, had a fourth down play, um, broke it for a big touchdown run, a couple clutch throws. You know, think about the Kansas play, taking the ball from his running back, you know, getting a first down. Just the, the kid can play football. He's a phenomenal talent. Lincoln Riley's a phenomenal offensive coach. We'll talk about the defense in a second. I think the big guy, and I was kind of disappointed when this kid decommitted from Oklahoma to go to USC, but I understand why. He was committed to to Lincoln Riley. But Ray Leak Brown, 
I think he's going to be a Reggie Bush type player for this USC offense. I think he's going to be a big time playmaker of the backfield. And, you know, you think about you had Bryce Young and Rayleigh Brown in the same backfield at one point. That's crazy. Modern day just continues to, to turn out absolute talent. But he's going to have uh, some company in the backfield of South Carolina transfer. transfer. Marshawn Lloyd could emerge as an early season starter, but I would expect Wrigley Brown to really move ahead as like the big playmaker, catching the ball out of the backfield, and he is. He's a one-plant-and-go guy. I mean, I, I saw a clip of him his senior year when Modern Day came out to Duncanville, Texas, and it was you know like a simple stretch play, and it's one cut up the field, 80 yards, first play of the game. You know, and Duncanville is a really, really talented, a lot of D1 talent, you know, team from right there in Texas, but uh, just phenomenal speed, great athlete. I think Rayleigh Brown is going to be that next kind of explosive back in that Reggie Bush kind of, you know, mold. Uh, defensively, that's where the problems are. You know, for those who um, who got kind of follow, you know, uh, defensive football, you know, Alex Grinch. Yeah, yeah, okay. You're a defense coordinator, but you've turned out some bad defenses for the last time he's at Oklahoma. You know, they're, they're soft, they're weak. Uh, look at the two games against Utah. Look at the Tulane Cotton Bowl. And what's weird is the defense led the country in takeaways. They had 29 takeaways, but they were the eighth worst team in yards per play. They gave up 6.5 yards per play, and they ranked 94th nationally scoring defense. They gave up 29.2 points per game. Bear Alexander transferred from Georgia, looks to be an immediate impact. And the one bright spot was All-American safety, Kalen Bullock and Eric Gentry at linebacker. They've got to get more physical. It just, it's not a good defense. They're going to see better offenses this year in the Pac-12. And if they're going to the Big Ten, I just, I just I'm not a big fan of Alex Grinch and what he brings to the table. He had a lot of hype around his name. But, you know, they say if he walks like a duck, talks like a duck, he's a duck. And they're just not putting out good defense under Alex Grinch. If they have another bad year like that, I expect Alex Grinch to be gone. And the question is always is, you know, can Lincoln Riley ever win the big game? Decisions. The onside kick or the squib kick against Georgia in the Rose Bowl that led to the field goal that kind of brought them back into it after Oklahoma was up 31-13. Who knows? Caleb Williams, phenomenal player. I don't think he wins a back-to-back -back Heisman. I think he's too worried about his fingernail painting and, and everything like that. I just, I, I, I think he kind of has a regressed year. I think he still is a phenomenal athlete. I just don't think he has a Heisman caliber year. Looking at their schedule, the 30th of September, they play at Colorado. Again, Coach Prime and what the Buffaloes are doing. I'm intrigued on what they're going to do this year. I, I, I have no pulse because it's a brand-new team. But that'll be interesting. At Colorado, you know, they've sold out. It's going to be, you know, a packed crowd in Boulder. Used to be a great place to go watch games. We'll see. The um, 14th of October, they travel to Notre Dame. Big game there on the road at Notre Dame. Uh, the, 21st of Utah, the 21st, they play Utah. The 11th of November at Oregon. And then UCLA for, I, I still think one of the coolest things, when the teams both wear the home jerseys. You see... That UCLA blue, the Trojan red, it, aesthetically, it, it it does it for me, you know? But 
a big stick. I watched that Notre Dame game. It's on the road. Irish Trojans, you know, a big rivalry. I just, I, I can't buy into Alex Grinch's defense. You know, and, and who knows? You think about how I have, you got Washington, Utah, and USC in the top 10 from the Pac-12. Now, if you've got one of these teams that could lead and, and, and go undefeated, run the, run the, you know, run the track, and maybe have one loss, you might can see them move up, you know, because I think there's going to be some more teams that kind of, you know, cannibalize themselves out as well. Pac-12 will be interesting to see in the last full year as we know it. Coming in at number six, the Ohio State University, the Buckeyes, uh, Ryan Day. Is he on the hot seat? You know, can't beat Michigan. You know, two years in a row you lost to Michigan. You can't lose again. I mean, we know coaches on that series have been fired because they couldn't beat uh, you know, the either team. Will a quarterback be plug and play? Kyle McCord should be the starter. Devin Brown should see some early season action as well, you know, especially if McCord struggles. Uh, Trayvon Henderson, so fast. Dynamic running back. And uh, Mayan Williams are a potent one-two punch. The wide receiver room, one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country, led by Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka of uh, Egbuka, both guys having over 1,000 yards, combining for 24 touchdowns. Uh, big question again, kind of like the quarterback, is on the offensive line. Can they can they just plug and play, guys? Josh Fryer is expected to be a big help at uh, left tackle. You know they lost two tackles la- over the, the last season into the NFL draft with Paris Johnson Jr. and Dewana Jones. And the O line is going to need to keep the quarterback up. You know help make holes for the backs. But you know when you got guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, Egbuka, even if you have some early struggles. They're going to make you look good. They're going to make you look good. Now, defensively, Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State, uh, defensive coordinator comes in, brings his 4-2-5 look to the shoe. Uh, but the sad thing is you think about the two highest-ranked opponents they played last year, Michigan and Georgia. They gave up an average of 43.5 points and over eight yards per play. That's not good. That's not going to get championship football one. Sure, you can bully around Rutgers and – Indiana, Purdue, but when you play against the likes of a Michigan and a Georgia and you're giving up 43 points, that's not going to get it done. Take it from an Oklahoma fan. You could have all the offense you want, but if you can't stop anybody a couple times, you're not going to get it done. Um, So we'll see. Michael Hall Jr. will look to be the disruptive force up the middle, and you think about their linebackers, great names, Tommy Eichenberg, and Steel Chambers, their linebacking core seems to be in good hands. Denzel Burke may be the only shutdown cornerback, you know, they have. But will they get some help from Davison Igbison from Ole Miss? And watch for Sonny Styles to have a breakout year next year. Could he be the next, like, really talented Ohio State defensive back? Their schedule, it's relatively easy. I mean, they don't have – they have a big contest. Now, Notre Dame – you know, I don't have them in the top ten, but you think about Notre Dame, they host USC and they host Notre uh they host Ohio State. So the twenty-third of September, Ohio State goes to Notre Dame. Keep an eye out on that. The twenty-first, they play Penn State at the shoe. And then of course the twenty-fifth, they end with the game against Michigan. I just <clears throat> I see them possibly losing two games, possibly that Notre Dame, maybe even three. They could lose all three of those games at Notre Dame, Penn State, and Michigan. And if that's the case, does Ryan Day lose his job? 
does he lose his job? They could pull the trigger in Columbus. We'll see. Coming in at number seven, yes, I have the LSU Tigers. Brian Kelly, are the Bayou Bengals going to take over the West? Here's an interesting question I posed to some friends the other day as we were talking at the gym. And this is not a knock on the quarterback. But is Jaden Daniels the best quarterback in the SEC right now? Think about the quarterbacks that have come out of the SEC recently. Drafted to the NFL, you know, Joe Shiesty, you think about you know Bryce Young. All these quarterbacks that have come out from the SEC. Is Jaden Daniels the best quarterback in the SEC right now? And is that kind of a, a knock on some of the quarterback play in the SEC? Who's next? Spencer Rattler? Is it going to be Joe Milton at Tennessee? Who knows? But Jane Daniels had a great year last year. Put up almost 4,000 yards of total offense. Um, the big news from what I'm hearing out of there is they got a really talented backup in Garrett Nussmeyer. Can they keep him happy and keep him from transferring? Uh, Malik Neighbors is going to be that guy at wide receiver. Had a 1,000-yard season last year. And they also have a homegrown transfer that came from Alabama. Aaron Anderson is a Louisiana native. Comes in, could help step in immediately. Uh, missing, though, is that great LSU running back. You know, they, you know, Falk, you know, guys like that to where they just, they don't have that anymore. You know, Jaden um, was the best runner last year on the team. They're going to need some helps from Josh Williams to take some of the pressure off Jaden. But uh, offensively, you know, I, you're going to see Jaden Daniels really perform. The Tigers will go as far as Jaden Daniels goes, all right? Defensively, depth is a question at defensive back. That's why this this first game when they play Florida State, and if you notice I haven't mentioned Florida State yet, still some room left to go in the top ten. But when they play Florida State, it could be a big deal. You know, they've had some issues with Devin Harris, or Denver Harris, excuse me, after he transferred from A&M. Had to leave mispractice, personal matter, stuff like that. Jimbo Fisher, kind of wishy-washy. He's back at practice, taking third uh, – not Jimbo Fisher, excuse me. Brian Kelly, kind of wishy-washy, you know, taking third-string reps. And we're going to see if, if, if Denver Harris is a five-star flop or not. Uh, the, the key, though, is, is the animal, Harold Perkins Jr. I mean, the guy – there was highlights every week of him just – you know, people talked about Will Anderson last year. And Will Anderson was amazing, phenomenal. I am interested to see what Harold Perkins Jr. does for a follow-up. He was just unstoppable. Um, with the Harris issues and Ohio State transfer, J.K. Johnson, who was uh, supposed to help fill in on the secondary, he's injured. Depth could play a factor in that game. Uh, Makai Wingo is going to lead the big boys up front. They're always going to have big eaters up there at Louisiana. But that that game right off the rip against Florida State. <clears throat> excuse me. I think this is that's going to be big. I think the secondary, especially when you look at what kind of offense Florida State brings. Sloppy game last year. You know, comes down to the final play of missed missed extra point. Game is in Orlando. Two really good quarterbacks, Travis and Daniels, going at it. But with secondary depth being an issue, could that come into play in that game against FSU? Two, and again, could this game 
I think this game will catapult whoever wins, but I don't think it's going to knock out whoever loses because of where they're ranked. Should be fun, though. I love a big-time early season game like this. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, the 30th of September, they go to Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin, just always interesting. The 14th, they play Auburn. Hugh Freeze is back. What's he going to be doing? They're starting to get some guys to flip, you know, get some good recruits there because now, you know, he can actually uh, do what he was doing at Ole Miss, and it's legal. Big game, though, November 4th at Alabama. Not a really tough schedule, you know, for the LSU Tigers. I think the West, though, could cannibalize each other as well. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if an Ole Miss beats him. I would be surprised if Alabama beats him. Yeah, so it, it, it's kind of all up in the air to see what's going to happen with the Tigers this year. Um, a lot of people have them favored to win the West. I, I still can't go with them, you know, because you, you're not Alabama yet. I just, I can't. Could it be the last year for Bama? Possibly. I've got Bama in at number four. Now, Bama coming in this year, probably the most questions they've had in a long time. Is Saban on the way out, you know, two of the last four years, not making it to the college football playoff. Jalen Milrow at quarterback. Possibly. Ty Simpson. Tyler Lonergan. Freshman Dylan, uh, Dylan, uh, freshman Dylan Lonergan, sorry. Getting some, uh, some play. Tyler Buckner. Who's going to be the quarterback? We don't know. You think about some of the quarterbacks that have come from Alabama. The big glaring factor is this offense. You know, it's not going to be as explosive as it used to be. They don't have a room of wide receivers full of first-round draft picks. Ruggs, Judy, Devonta. I mean, like, it, they don't have that anymore. A lot of drops. I joked with some Alabama fans. Again, I'm here in Birmingham. I joked with some Alabama fans that, you know, I really like at running back I like the freshman Justice Hayes. I think he's going to be a big-time player at Alabama. Where's number 22? Little stocky guy. Kind of looks like Mark Ingram back in the day at Alabama. I think he scored three touchdowns in the spring game. Really like what I saw from him. I said, look, your defense is going to be good. It's going to be good. Dallas Turner, Kool-Aid McKinstry, your defense is going to be good. Run the wing tee. Control the clock. You know, throw when you have to, get out of there. Because Jalen Milrow can run the football. But it'll be interesting to see who actually gets the the nod at at, at quarterback. Jason McClellan and Roy Dale Williams should get the bulk of the carries. But again, don't be surprised if you don't see the freshman Justice Hayes taking over. Kind of like a Josh Jacobs did when he came in. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, also, there's a receiver that I think you need to look out for kid named Cole Adams from Owasso, Oklahoma, elite track guy. Got hurt early on in his senior year at Oklahoma, but uh, a lot of a lot of speed. He could be a guy, a burner. I want to see what he could do against this SEC talent, but kind of watch out for Cole Adams. You heard it here. Defensively, Will Anderson's gone, but you've got Dallas Turner, like I mentioned, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Jaheim Otis, Tim Smith. You know, you need to be the guys up front. You know, some young talent, but not real proven at inside linebacker. And, you know, you look at special teams. I know a lot of Alabama people kind of cringe when you think about kickers, but Will Reichert, hey, he's money. He's good. You look at the schedule, that Texas game, 
that's a big game for both schools, okay? It, it, you know, Alabama, if you could beat Texas, a lot of people have them in the top 10. Texas, if you win, hey, great. You came to Bama, you won, it kind of propels them the whole Texas is back thing. The 7th of October at A&M. Alabama has had some issues on the road lately. A&M has played them very tough lately, and it's beaten them last time they went to College Station. The 21st of October, ten- Tennessee. The 4th of November, LSU, and then, of course, ending up with the Iron Bowl on the 25th. But that's my uh, my number four team, Alabama. Number three, Florida State. I'm I'm buying in on Florida State. What Mike Norvell has done with the Seminoles has been impressive. Can they replace Clemson? Eight returning starters on offense. They ranked number 10 in total offense last year, 484 yards per game. Heisman hopeful Jordan Travis leads the way at quarterback. Um, they have Trey Benson, probably the best running back in the ACC. Six foot seven receiver Johnny Wilson, probably the best roster since the Jimbo Fisher teams in Tallahassee. If they can stay healthy, protect Jordan Travis, I think the offense could be special again, put up a lot of points. Defensively, this is where I was surprised. Jared Verse came back. He could have been a top five pick at defensive end. Right next to him, they'll have Fabian Lovett, a force. They got a transfer um, from Miami. Darrell Jackson help on the interior as well. Patrick Creighton was an all-ACC defensive rookie, and he'll you know, make that front seven really nasty with good linebacker play from Tatum Bethune and Kalen Deloach. And you think about the safety, all four starters returned from the secondary, and they added all-ACC cornerback from Virginia, Fentrell Cypress, the second. Easy schedule, though, for Florida State. It's front-loaded. There's two big games on the schedule. The 3rd of September, you play LSU. You beat a top-ranked SEC team, you're geared up for the year. And then you have that big game on the 23rd of September at Clemson, Death Valley. Can you do it? Then the question is, if you make it through those two games, can you just not stumble down the road? They can get through those two games. I think even if they lose to LSU, but beat Clemson, kind of, you know, do it. I still think they have a shot at the playoffs. But I'm buying in. I think what, you know, Norvell got these guys to buy in. If you watched the Cheese It Bowl last year against Oklahoma, you know, um, and I can't remember the guy's name. I should have looked it up. I apologize. The uh, offensive lineman gets hurt. You know, the whole team comes out. But to get Jared Verse to come back, you know, all these players that have come back because they believe in what Norvell is doing. The renaissance in Tallahassee is going to be fun to watch. And I think this could be a year you see Florida State make that jump. Number two, Big Blue, Michigan. Is this the best chance for Michigan? 13 starters back. J.J. McCarthy back at quarterback after completing 64% of his passes. Blake Corm should be back at running back after injuring his knee against the Illini. We'll see Donovan Edwards kind of his one-two punch. Good running backs. They're going to be big. Physical. The question I have is lack of production at wide receivers unless players can make the transition. The leading returner is Cornelius Johnson. I think he only had like 300 yards receiving. So there's going to be a lot of questions about the receiving core. Uh, Colson Loveland, a lot of people comparing him to like a younger Jake Butt. And the offensive line should be one of the best in the country. Just a road grader offensive line. Really kind of mash on people. Defensively, sixth nationally in total defense. Mason Graham, Chris Jenkins are the uh, chaos creators up front. 
They're going to need protection from Jesse Minner to replace Mike Morris, who is Big Ten Defensive Lineman of the Year. All Big Ten linebacker Junior Colson and six-year player Michael Barnett lead that linebacking core in a talented secondary led by Will Johnson at cornerback and Amarion Walker, who has moved from wide receiver to cornerback, slated to get the week one start. Again, kind of an easy schedule for Michigan. Their toughest games, I think, are not until November. The 11th of November, they play at Penn State. And the 25th, they play uh, Ohio State. That's it. I mean, I just, I don't, that's their tough schedule. I just, I don't, I don't buy, you know, that's it for them. They should be able to, and I think by that time, you should be able to get some wide receiving help for J.J. McCarthy. But I've got Michigan in the playoffs. So I mean, just, I think it's three years in a row. I think they beat Ohio State, possibly see Ryan Day out. And then, of course, number one team, the back-to-back champions, trying to become the first team since the 1934 to 1936 Minnesota Golden Gophers to win back-to-back-to-back championships, the Georgia Bulldogs. Gone is Stetson Bennett. Gone is a slew of defensive talent, Jalen Carter, Robert Beal Jr., Keely Ringo, Nolan Smith. But you got Brock Bowers. Can Carson Beck or Brock Vandegrift be the, the quarterback and lead the dogs? I think um, I think Beck is going to be the leading candidate. You still got a wide receiver from Mississippi State, Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett from Missouri transferred in. They're going to join Lad McConkey. And uh, Kendall Milton is going to lead the rushing attack for the Dogs. Offensive line is really good up front. Should be in comparison with Michigan. Um, ten guys, well, four guys with starting experience, but they think they're about ten deep on that offensive line. Georgia is just going to be really, really good. Uh, like I said, defensively, they're losing. You know, losing Jalen Carter, Beal Jr., Keely Ringo, Nolan Smith, but you got Michael Williams up front, uh, Jamin Dumas Johnson, and Smell Smell Mondin Jr. Uh, at linebacker, they're going to be all over the field. Malachi Starks, building off his great freshman year, could be an All-American this year at safety. And J- Javon Bullard, those safeties are are, are going to be amazing. Bullard was the Peach Bowl and the national championship MVP. The big thing with Georgia is with Mike Bobo taking over for Todd Munkin. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? We'll see. Easy schedule. Georgia was supposed to play Oklahoma this year. That got taken off because of the move to the SEC for Oklahoma. We'll see. Uh, but, you know, the only games I think that are going to be tough for Georgia this year, I got at Auburn on the 30th of September and at Tennessee. You know, that that's – I just I, – I don't think it's going to be a lot of challenge for the Georgia Bulldogs. You'll see them in the SEC championship game, and you'll see them in the college football playoff. But that's my top ten. Georgia at one, Michigan at two. Florida State at three, Bama at four, LSU five, Ohio State six, USC seven, Utah eight, Tennessee nine, and the Washington Huskies at 10. But my playoff predictions, Georgia versus Bama, that's a 1-4. I think Bama's still in at four. Michigan versus Florida State, my title game, Georgia versus Michigan. Georgia wins the third in a row. I just think that uh, too much right now. Georgia wins their third in a row. I may be wrong. It could be an interesting year. But the good thing is we find out starting this week. I'll talk about that on Thursday, episode two. We're going to look ahead to week zero games. Kind of talk about some NFL preseason as well. Really didn't get to any food stuff. I will tell you, last night 
I had some bratwurst with a beer cheese sauce and made a tater tot fondue as I watched the Commanders and the Ravens play Monday Night Football. There might have been a cup of cold beers with that as well. But it was so good. When it hits your lips, it's just so good. That's going to do it for episode one of Sports Bites Podcast. I appreciate you tuning in. Remember to like, share, follow, subscribe. Get out there. Let's get this community built. Everybody have a great day. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thank you.